Welcome to the podcast of Life Church in Houston, Texas. We are so glad that you are joining us today. We hope that this message inspires your week, builds your faith, and ultimately brings you closer to Christ. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the podcast. All right, let's talk about how to start over. This is a sermon that I feel like the Lord gave me before I even went to the Philippines and, and I worked on it, I actually finished all my notes before I left and then I've been uh, tweaking it and thinking about it and praying about it since then. And, and, and I just want to take a good look at the Word of God on, on how to start over, on how to get a fresh start in your life. I, I just ask you in all of the campuses, you don't have to raise your hand. Is, is there anybody here that has ever had a failure in your business? Is there anybody here that has ever had a natural failure? And when I say natural, I mean you, you were involved in a car accident or you had some type of illness or, or, or it was some natural catastrophe like uh, Harvey <laughs> that took place. I mean, there are things that happen where, where we have to start over. And I remember in the middle of Harvey when I'm wading through my house and, and the water is about eight inches deep, Nancy stopping me and said, uh, James, I have to have a plan for what we're going to do. And, and I love that about her, that she was already thinking about how to start over and how to improve and how to move forward. But, but maybe you've had that kind of natural disaster or natural failure. There, there, maybe there's a failure in a relationship uh, or a failure, even a sin failure, a, a fault that has come into your life. And and all of us have had those. I told you not to raise your hands, but, but the truth is, and you know this, that every one of us have had some type of failure in our life. We've all suffered. We've all gone through it. And, and it seems like that over these past two years, with all of the situation that we faced in the world today, not only just the pandemic, but also the unrest and the division that we're feeling it seems to me that more and more people are just having failures. They're giving up. Their workforce is leaving. And, and uh, I was talking to someone the other day, and they were uh, telling me, uh, one of the local principals, and they were telling me that, that they can't even find teachers. They, they can't fill the jobs that they have because so many people have just decided I'm not going to do anything anymore. I, I'm not going to participate anymore. I'm going to try to figure something else out. And and failure happens. Failure happens. And when it happens, it's devastating. It's something that gets deep down inside of us. It, it really has an impact on the way that we think and the way that we act and, and the way that we look at life. Uh, Job, of course, was a man that, that saw some incredible catastrophes in his life. A, a lot of failures, a lot of problems. And and this is one of the scriptures that he said. We read of his words, Job 17 and 11. He says, my days are over. My hopes have disappeared. My heart's desires are broken. I think every one of us could probably point to a day or two or three or ten in our life where we could say those same words. My, my heart's broken. It seems like there's no hope. And the fact is, we shouldn't feel ashamed of those moments because everybody experiences failures, setbacks. Life is not an unbroken series of victories. You know, we, we want it to be. We want, our, we want our team to win every year, but the truth of it is it's, it's not unbroken victories. With victories, there's also failures and defeats and setbacks and losses. And, and the problem with that is, is sometimes those failures, those defeats overwhelm us. It, it overwhelms our life, and, and especially if it's something that we have brought on ourselves. I've had a lot of failures just because of things around me, but the most difficult things that I've ever dealt with, my most difficult failures, were the failures that I was responsible for, that, that I brought on myself. And and, and sometimes, even if we don't bring it on ourselves, we just feel overwhelmed. Now, Solomon, as he writes this incredible book called The Proverbs, he, he has a lot of insight into what causes failure. He had his own failures, and of course, he was a study, he, he studied humanity and saw the 
issues that many people face. And, and he gives us five reasons. I'm going to do this really quick. So if you have your sermon notes, please get them out and you can just follow there because I'm not going to take much time on those uh, first five points. I'm, I'm really going to dig into that next part where it says how to start over. But five reasons that people experience failure. And one of the first ones is they don't plan ahead. Proverbs 27 and 12, a sensible man watches for problems ahead and prepares to meet them. The simpleton never looks and suffers the consequences. You know, we have a tendency to be impulsive. I mean, how many of you have ever bought a Snickers on your way out of HEB? We, you, you don't want the Snickers. Amen, sister, I'm with you. You, you, you've said to yourself, I'm not going to get the Snickers, and then you're in line, and, and what has H-E-B done? I'm not speaking ill against H-E-B. I don't, I don't want anybody to get mad at me. But they've placed the Snickers in a very important place so that we can be impulsive. And, and the Bible is telling us that a sensible man plans ahead. It's somebody that looks ahead and starts counting the cost while someone that is impulsive never looks ahead and suffers the consequences. I, 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 want to, I want you to understand that one of the reasons we have failures in our life, and, and, and it's happened in my life, it's happened in your life, and in and, and 28 years of pastoring, I've seen many people that have had this type of situation. They had failure in their life because they didn't plan ahead. The second reason that there are failures that we face is many people just think too highly of themselves. Uh, Proverbs 16 and 18 says it like this, pride goes before destruction and haughtiness before a fall. So one of the symptoms of pride is we don't think that we need any advice. I, I've got this. I, I don't need anybody to tell me anything and I don't need anybody to be in a part of my life. I, I can do it all on my own and and, and it's important for us to get the advice that we need. It's important for us to understand that we don't have all of the answers and that God has really given us this beautiful gift of a body of Christ so that we can lean on one another and have each other pray for us. Uh, matter of fact, I'm the pastor of this church and I've been the pastor for 28 years, but tomorrow night I'm having a meeting with some of the guys that I respect so highly to help me make that next step, that next decision for Life Church, because I know that if I do it on my own or if I think that I've got it all together, there's many things that I would miss. Uh, the wise men said in Proverbs 15 and 22, plans go wrong for lack of advice. Many advisors bring success. So listen, plan ahead. Don't take too, too highly of yourself. The third thing is they were afraid to take a risk. Some failures come because people just lock themselves down and won't take that next step even when God is, is uh, confirming that this is what you need to do. Proverbs 29 and 25, fearing people is a dangerous trap, but trusting the Lord means Safety. The, the, the moment you start worrying about what other people think and it causes you to be paralyzed or not being able to move forward, it's a trap. You're, you're setting yourself up for failure. You're setting yourself up for, for this trap that you can't get out of, this snare, and, and the fear of failure can, can end up being the cause of failure. And, and too many times people say, maybe I should wait, I'm afraid, and you miss the golden opportunity that God has given you. And so I would just encourage you right now, if God is putting something in front of you and you're feeling the confirmation that it's the Spirit of God, take that risk. Oh my goodness, I can look back in my life and I probably have the, the other tendency. I probably take too many risks, but I know that many times the risks that I took and the things that I felt like God was calling for me to do uh, led to success, led to blessings, led to help, and uh, I'm thankful for that. So the greatest failure you may ever have is the failure not to try. The fourth thing is they gave up too soon. They gave up too soon. Proverbs 
chapter 15 and 19 says, A lazy person's way is blocked by briars, thorns, those, those little stickers that grab a hold of you. But the path of the upright is an open highway. A lot of times when there's trouble, the, the, the main reason for failure is that people just stop trying. They just give up. Failure is the path of least resistance. And, and, how, and, and, and we see it every year that if you will persevere and if you'll go through it, there's a chance for victory. How, how many of you like March Madness? March Madness is coming up, the NCAA basketball tournament. And how many times have we seen this great big school that has been ranked high all year long playing some team that we didn't even know existed? And, and, and they play and, and they get down to the last moment. And at the last moment, one of the teams from one of the players from the small team throws up this clutch shot, nothing but net. And it's an upset, and really, it's a message to us to keep on going. Keep going. Don't give up. Proverbs 13 and 4 says, Lazy people want much but get little, but those who work hard will prosper. Amen. Thomas Edison, when he was inventing the light bulb, he had many, many experiments that didn't work out, and and uh, when they asked him about it, he said, I don't call it a failure. I call it an education. I know 200 ways that it doesn't work. And, and sometimes that is so important in our life. And the last thing, and then I'll move on to uh, how to start over, is many times people have failure because they ignore what God is saying. They ignore what God is saying. And, and the wise man said it like this, Proverbs 14 and 12 there is a path before each person that seems right. In other words, this is the way I'm going to go. It looks like everything's okay, but the end, but it ends in death. You see, this is what happens with the Word of God. The Word of God gives us these principles that, that make our life all that God wants it to be. How many of you ever heard me say the phrase, that God has a best life for you. The best life you could ever live is the life that God created you to live. How many of you have ever heard me say that? But, but I, I probably need to add this. It's easy to miss the best life that God has for you. And the way that you miss the best life that God has for you is you don't listen to what God has to say. And you don't listen to the direction that he has for your life. I don't want you to ever get to the place where you think, oh, I've got a best life and all I have to do is live. No, the best life is when I continue to follow what the Spirit is saying to me and I continue to submit to what the Lord wants for my life. And, and, and that means that many times I have to uh, tune out my feelings and my emotions because a lot of times we miss it because as the Scripture said, I feel like this is the right thing to do. That, that this path seems right to me. And, and again, as being a pastor for all of these years, I've seen many people justify what they were doing by their feelings, even when it was in direct contradiction of what the Word of God had to say. I've showed them in the Scripture, this is what the Word of God has to say, but I feel like this is my right path. And just like the Scripture says, it's not the right path, it ends in death. I just need you to hear this, that the flesh and the spirit are in opposition to each other. Your flesh is never going to submit to your spirit. It's never going to submit. That's why Paul said, I must die. Somebody help me. Daily. There is a daily death to my flesh of saying you're not going to be in control and there is a daily affirmation that spirit lead me where you want me to go. And that's important for us to do. That's when we start living that best life that we could ever live. When we really give ourselves to what the Lord wants. As a matter of fact, let me just put it this way. Most of the time, if not all of the time, your natural inclination is direct opposite of what the Lord wants for you. 
Your flesh is always going to be in direct opposition to what the Spirit of God wants for you. I would say the percentage is way up there. I believe that God says the way to get is to give. And our flesh is saying the way I want it to be is that I want to just keep getting. It's a paradox. It's a spiritual thing that if I really want to grow, if I really want to get the things that are important, I give. The, the, the scripture says, if I, if I really want to be great, I need to serve. It's, it, it's, it's contrary because our, our flesh doesn't want to serve people. Our flesh doesn't want to serve others. But, but the Bible is saying this is the principle to greatness is to be a servant. And, and if you really want to be honored then don't just go in and tell everybody how great you are and constantly try to prop yourself up. The, the way to be honored is to be humble before people. These paradoxes in the Scripture are not just wordplay or, or, or the Lord trying to, to trick us. They're, they're truly principles that show us that the flesh has one way of doing things that is completely opposite to the way the Spirit wants you to live your life. And so many of the times that we suffer failures is simply because we don't hear what God wants to say to us. L listen to this scripture. Isaiah chapter 55, verse 8 and 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. This is the Lord talking. Nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. We, when we don't listen to God, we are in trouble. It may not make sense and we may not be able to see it, but his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And so when we listen, we find the place that God wants us to be. And, and the failures that we have in life, the failures of flesh, sin, adultery, pornography, addictions, jealousies, violence, whatever it is, regardless of the cause, when we get into these, we fall, we fail. And the question I have for you today is, how do you respond? I want to say something here. And before I say it, I want to make sure that you're paying attention in all of the campuses. Just, just kind of nudge your neighbor and say, uh, are you still with us today? Are you still with us today? And, and I want you to hear this. Uh, if you want to write it down, that's okay. It's, it's important. It, it, it's something that you need to put in your spirit and in your mind. And this is what I want you to know, that God is more interested in your future than he is in your past. God is more interested in your future than he is in your past. Well, why is that a big deal, Pastor? And why did you want all of us to pay attention to that? Because many of us constantly are bringing our past into the relationship that we have with God. And God is so faithful. Didn't he tell us he would throw it into the sea of forgetfulness? <laughs> Some of you are great fishermen. I just encourage you to stay out of the sea of forgetfulness. Those are toxic fish. You don't want to eat those fish anymore. Didn't he say that he would remove our sins as far as the east is from the west? You know what I love about that? You can go from the north to south and you can define this is the north and this is the south. We have a north pole and a south pole, right? But you can keep circling the globe as long as you want. And there's always going to be an east and there's always going to be a west. And what God is saying is I'm taking them so far away from you, you'll never be able to find them. He is more interested in your future than he is in your past. So let's talk about how to start over. We need to make some decisions here. And I want you to listen to me. Yesterday is gone. Everybody say it's gone. Today's a new day. Last month, last week is gone. It's a new week. It's a new month. Guess what? 2022 is gone. And Lo and behold, we're almost two months through 2023. Time is moving forward. And there's a scripture that ties with that. And the scripture is found in Lamentations, which is 
a book that was written by Jeremiah when he was in a time of lamenting what was going on in Israel because of the people had fallen away and, and half of them had been carried away into uh, captivity in Babylon. And, and he was so overwhelmed that he wrote this book of lamentations. Uh, many people call him the weeping prophet. But in the midst of this weeping and lamenting, he has an incredible revelation And he writes it down here in chapter 3 and verse 22 and 23. He says, the faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. Didn't we just sing that? Oh, man, that was beautiful. Great is his faithfulness. Listen to this last line. His mercies begin afresh each morning. So when the night is over, guess what happens? There is a morning and the morning is the end of the night. Because of my jet lag, I've been getting up early, you know, 3.34, 4.35. Today I'm at five. So hoping tomorrow morning I can sleep till 5.30. But one of the things that happens getting up early like that is you see the sunrise every day. For me, it's a sign of, okay, it's time for coffee. Thank you, Jesus. But it's the sun coming up, and it's a signal that the night is over, and it is day. Every morning brings a new day. And according to this passage of Scripture, somebody listen to me tonight, today. Tonight was over. It's now day. (laughs) Somebody listen to me. Every morning brings new provisions from God. Every morning brings new forgivenesses from God. Every morning brings new strength for any temptation that you would face. You may have fallen in a temptation yesterday, and that same temptation may be waiting for you today, but the mercies of God are anew every morning. The strength of God is there for you to be able to overcome that temptation. The strength of God is going to be there for you to fulfill the duties that you have on this particular day, for the trials that you would face. And and this is what I want you to grab a hold of. In the midst of all of the things that Jeremiah is seeing and writing and lamenting about, he is teaching us something that is so profound. And that lesson that he's trying to teach us is if we're ever going to be assured of the goodness of God, we have to look away from our weaknesses and look away from our afflictions and look away from our failures and look away from all of the things around us that aren't going right. And we need to look towards God because when we look towards God, there is a revelation that there is new blessings coming, that there is fresh anointing for me on this day. My goodness, I feel the Lord in this place. I feel the Spirit of the Lord come in right now and say there's fresh blessings and fresh mercies for everyone that is in this room, that is in every one of our rooms. I want you to think about it. It doesn't matter how many times you have repented and then turned and failed the Lord again. He is gracious in his mercy. (laughs) He is ready to give you these fresh mercies. And, And so many times I'm talking, I'm preaching to myself We are consumed with the vision of our failures instead of the vision of what God has for us. The vision of our failures sometimes can permeate every thought, every action, every relationship. I know what I'm talking about because I have been there. But there is another way of looking at things, and that is when I look to my Lord, I see that there is hope and the compassion and the love of God that reaches into the depths of every situation. My, I I, want to make sure that I am looking at the vision of what God has for me. I love that Jeremiah's vision changes. It's, it's no longer the calamities. It's no longer the, the, the things of, of that are going on, but it's the 
character of God. It's the purpose of God. It's, it's, it's something that absorbs his attention now. And he sees how God is so good. Oh, I know. I know we're weak. I, I know we're full of failures. I, I, I know we've got problems. But God has not forgotten how to be gracious. I'm going to say it again. God is more interested in your future than he is in your past. Three quick ways on how to start over. Number one, just accept responsibility. Accept responsibility. There's a lot of people that never get out of their problems because they won't accept responsibility. Quit blaming everyone else for all of the things that have gone wrong in your life. Maybe some things have been done that you couldn't help and, and they have attributed to some of your failures. But take responsibility and say, this is my life. I'm not going to live in these failures. Proverbs 28 and 13 says, people who conceal their sin will not prosper. But if they confess and turn from them, they will receive mercy. When you make a mistake, admit it. Everybody say admit it. When you make a mistake, when you say I blew it, when you say I was wrong, face up to it. Face up to it. Be honest with yourself. Be honest with others. I, one of the hardest lessons anybody can ever learn is to take responsibility for your sins. Take responsibility for your failures. Because we're experts at passing the buck. It is just a natural sin nature to just point to the next guy. God comes into the garden. Uh, Adam is like uh, Eve. That way, God. Eve is like um, uh, the serpent. And guess what that nature did? It just came into our life. It's so easy to, I, I would say that we're pro-level at that. Amen. Amen. We're pro-level. We can blame the economy. We can we can blame fate. We, we, can, we can blame uh, luck. We can blame our parents. That's, that's a popular thing right now, blaming our parents. We can blame our spouse. We can blame the government. That's another uh, hot topic right now. But, but, but God says if you ever want to start over, if you ever have failed, just admit it. I, I don't know where we get the idea that we have to pretend that we're perfect. We're not None of us are perfect. I'm not perfect. It's close. <laughs> Glad I heard my son laughing louder than anybody else in the room. I'm not perfect and you're not perfect. But we know someone who is perfect and we turn to him. The second thing is that we just need to start. I'm sorry. Stop regretting. And start repenting. I need to take responsibility, but I also need to stop regretting. You know, when we've had a major failure in our life, it's important to stop regretting and start repenting. The Greek word for repent means I'm just going to change my mind. I'm going to change my direction. I'm going to change my heart. It means you change. It means you do something about it. If I have these failures in my life, I can't sit around and regret, regret them. I have to make up my mind that I am going to change my life. Now, I know that that's something that, that we have to have the help of God. I'll cover that in just a minute, but I want you to listen to me as I talk about how so many people get wrapped up in regret. You don't just sit around and think about, oh, I can never be used of God now. I, I, I've done something where I am washed up spiritually. I, I've done something where, where God uh, is going to consider me worthless. And I'm just here to preach something so simple. Stop regretting those failures. Yes, we made them. Yes, if we had a rewind button, we'd all use it. We'd go back and we'd change it. But we don't. Stop regretting and start repenting. The Bible says something very interesting about this. And Paul writes it in 2 Corinthians chapter 7 and 10. He says it like this. For the kind of sorrow God wants you to experience leads us away from sin and results in salvation. There's no regret for that kind of sorrow. But worldly sorrow, which lacks repentance, results 
in spiritual death. I, I hope you're catching it here that he's saying there are two kinds of sorrows. There is a godly sorrow and there is a worldly or a fleshly sorrow. And, and, and it's a big difference between the two. I, I've actually seen people come to the altar and in their prayer only pray out of fleshly or worldly sorrow. And then watch them get up from the altar and go do what they'd always done before because they never gave the Lord the chance to lead them into godly sorrow. This is what happens. We'll take worldly sorrow first because um, it's something that we want to understand. And we need to understand that worldly sorrow is demoralizing. It is depressing. According to what the scripture says, it leads to death. It is the poor me attitude. It is the self-pity. And, and listen, there are a lot of dangerous emotions that we can give ourselves over to that will lead us the wrong way. But one of the most devastating emotions in life is the self-pity emotion. The self-pity party that never ends up with any healthy gifts, <laughs> never ends up with any healthy resolution. That's what worldly sorrow is. Worldly sorrow is not being sad because you did it. It's being sad because you got caught doing it. Worldly sorrow is not sadness because uh, all of a sudden you realize that you have failed God. Worldly sorrow is sadness or sorrow because you realize that people know you have failed God. Where godly sorrow is completely different. This is what godly sorrow does. It motivates us to change our life. It brings a change of heart. It motivates us to do something. I'm going to change. I'm going to be different. I've learned my lesson. I'm going to learn from it. So if you fail, and we're going to fail, everybody say, eventually we all have failings. Fail intelligently. Learn from your failure. I'm not going to do this again. I went down this road and I busted a tire in that pothole. I'm not taking that road anymore. I, I went down this decision and it completely wrecked my life. I'm not going down that decision again. I mean, if you hit your finger with the hammer while you're trying to hold a nail, hold the nail differently. Don't keep hitting your finger over and over again. Fell intelligently. Now, now, let me just say this. I, I know that I've been talking about us, but listen, this is where godly sorrow comes from. It comes from God. God gives it. God brings it. It's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. It's God leading us. It's not us. It's not me just making up my mind. Oh, I'm going to be spiritual. It's God leading me to that. And as God leads and we give in to that godly sorrow, it leads to repentance and to a change of heart. The, the good news translation of Proverbs chapter 20 and 30 says it like this. Sometimes it takes painful situations to make us change our way. Anybody ever been in a painful situation and it helped you learn to change your ways? I've been in situations where I wanted to die, but guess what it did? It made me change my destination, change my way. So stop regretting. Regretting doesn't change anything. All it does is to keep you from looking in the past, change. The third thing, and it kind of ties together let me go through it quickly. Forget the past and focus on tomorrow. This is the way that Paul said it. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing. Forgetting the past and looking forward. Everybody say forward. Say it again, forward. I'm looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and to receive the heavenly prize from which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. I want to ask a serious question that I want to I want it to hit every brain in this place. I want every person to consider this. What memory in your, in your life are you allowing to emotionally manipulate you? What, what memory, what, what failure are you allowing to constantly come back in and 
manipulate the way you feel, the way you look at God, the way you worship, the way that you serve. What, what memory is it? And every time it comes up, you think, I wish I would have never done that. I regret that. And, and of course, we all have those, but we don't let them build nest in our brain and nest there. If it comes, we push it aside. I, I, all the time, I have the, the thought, maybe you're like me. I wish I would have never done that. Anybody ever had that thought? I, I, just like a little confirmation. I'm, I'm going to be checking with the other pastors. Does anybody ever say that? I wish I would have never done that. Of course we do. But there's birds all the time that fly over my head, but I never let them stop and build a nest there. And when those thoughts come out, I'm not going to let it manipulate me. I'm not going to let it tear me down, take me down a dark tunnel. And I don't want you to allow your past to control you. This is what I say. Listen to this. I believe that those past failures should become our greatest testimony of the mercy of God. Our past failures should be the point of our strongest moments where we stand and say, yes, I had this go on in my life, but God delivered me and God helped me and God set me free. And I'm not going to allow that to manipulate me. I'm instead going to use it a place for power. I'm going to use it for a place of testimony. And I am going to declare the good name of the Lord. Look, I, I want you to stop regretting. I, I want you to start living the life that God has for you. Maybe one of the great next steps for you is after service today, go to Discover Life, all of the campuses. This is where you can just start getting on the team and start changing the way you look at things. I, I walked in here to the League City campus today and, and I saw some first-time servers. They've gone through Discover Life. They're on the team. Man, I was so happy to see them. Uh, get, get in a life group. Nancy and I had a life group to our house on Wednesday, and it was so much fun just talking to people and, and having this good fellowship about the things of God and praying together, and, and, and I love that. That's what you need to do. One of the great things you can do to change the regret in your life is to get with new people. Some of you have got friends that the moment you get with them, all they want to talk about is the things that you've always done in the past. My goodness, I just went into a pastoring mode and just stepped on feet all over the city. Some of you just want to say with the same old guys and the same old friends and rehash the same old failures and the same old mistakes. And I just tell you, it may be that you need some new friends. I'm not telling you not to be friendly. I'm not telling you to go, I've got to tell you something. My pastor has decided for me that we're no longer friends. Bye. Be friendly. Talk to them. But the moment they start talking about, hey, man, you remember when we just said, you know, I'm not going to talk about that anymore. <laughs> oh, I just feel that's such good preaching right there. I tell you what, there, there, is, there is so many things that have been covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. And we're constantly trying to pull them back out. Hey, hey, let's, let's pull this memory back out. And Jesus like, wait, wait, I've got it covered. Move on. Find some new people. Join the life family. Be on the team. Let's see what God is going to do for us. It's not so much where you've been. It's what direction your feet are headed in. It's where you're going. I read this quote this morning. It's pretty wise. You have brains in your head. You have feet in your shoes. You can steer yourself any direction you choose. You're on your own and you know what you know. And you are the one who will decide where you go. Thank you, Dr. Seuss, for those words of wisdom. <laughs> the places you'll go. Focus on the future and forget the former. The past doesn't have any control anymore. Last thing. If I'm going to have a fresh start, oh, I want to have a fresh start. I, I prayed all week long, God, let somebody have a fresh start. Let somebody have a fresh start today. And if you're going to have a fresh start, you have to trust God because he's at work. Romans 8, 28, 
And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Notice that, that although all believers know the following truth, we, we know it. It's, it's intuitive to us to know that God only wants good for us. We know that, correct? How many of you know that? God, God wants good for you. God is good. He's not going to lie to you. He's not going to manipulate you. He's not going to abuse you. That, that's, that's not who God is. That, all things that happen in my life, when I'm, when I'm following the purpose of God and when I'm following God, he's going to turn it around and work it for the good in my life. This really is a theme from the beginning to the end. Joseph is in prison all of those years. And, and when the time finally comes, when he's vindicated and he can kill the ones that have put him in prison for 18 years, he said, listen, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. And I see that now. And, and it brought about the salvation of a nation. And, and, and while we may know it intuitively, it's not always fully understood, and it's not always something that we can sense experimentally, especially when we're in the trauma of failure. It's in those moments when it doesn't make sense where we have to make up our mind, I'm going to trust God. I'm going to trust Him in the middle of my situation. Man, I'm going to preach to you. I've been doing that this year, and I I feel that this is an important moment because when I think about trusting God, I think that there are two things that are extremely difficult for men. Everybody say, all the men say, amen. amen. I want you to listen to me. The first thing that is very difficult is uh, trusting God. It's hard for us to trust God. Uh, it's hard for us to let go. It's hard for us to surrender control. And I'm not saying that the women don't have issues with that either. That's a whole nother sermon. And I don't want to get into it today. But it's hard for us men to admit that we can't handle life's problems. It's hard for us to admit that we can't figure it out on our own. We like to solve problems. And it's hard for us when it says, okay, let's trust God. It's hard for us to do that. And it's also very difficult for us to be still enough to hear what God wants to say in our life. Men, we're driven. We're going. We're moving. And a lot of times it's the slowing down and really listening. That brings me to the second thing that is difficult for us, and that's to pray. It's hard for men to pray. That's why when we have prayer meeting here on the first Saturday of next month, 60% of the people that attend will be female. I'm not making an indictment against you men. I, I'm more than willing to go against the flow on that. If, if we want to go 60% men, I'm for that. But it's hard for us to pray because we're so outcome driven. Prayer requires patience. I will wait on the Lord. I, I, I've got to wait on him. We wrestle with our shortcomings when we pray. We feel unworthy. We, we, we oh my goodness. I'm going to stop here right now and say, Lord, help me with this next sentence. That, that Lord, that people won't be mad at me. Oh, Lord. Oh, really, I don't really care if you get mad at me or not because uh, it's the truth. And one of the reasons that men have a hard time praying is because you've relinquished the spiritual authority of your house to your wife. A smattering of applause. <laughs> now, I'm going to say two things. I say, I, say, I say first... Is men take the spiritual authority of your house, lead the house in prayer, lead the house in spiritual decisions. And the second thing I will say is women tri quit trying to take that authority when you know that that's what God has put in place. Just read, read the scripture. It's very clear that the Lord has tasked us men to lead spiritually in our homes. And men, there's some incredible help for us today. There's a great discipleship program that we have here at Life Church for men, majoring in men. And there's actually a new orientation that takes place on March 6th. I would encourage you to come, bring your young adult um, son, 
and, and, and it will help you uh, become the man that God wants you to be. The first book that they're going to read, they're going to have an orientation about this, but the first book they're going to read is Maximize Manhood. It only has a book and a workbook. I'm going to go along with them and uh, follow with them and, and do it myself. And, and if you're interested in that, you need to check with your campus pastor or, or check with the men's ministry representative that's at each campus. And, and, and then another thing I would say, men, is on the third Friday of every month at 7 o'clock here at this location, we have a men's meeting, prayer. I'm going to be uh, more uh, consistent in being here, leading that prayer, talking to men. And, and, and the reason that I really feel this is because I, I got to studying Daniel. I, first of all, let me back up and say this. I love all of the heroes in the Bible that had failures in their life. I, I love it because it helps me, Right? But in the midst of all of these failures and all of these men that were flawed, we come to Daniel. And from what I can see, Daniel never failed God. As a matter of fact, he was excellent in his spirit from the time he was a 15-year-old boy to the time he was 90. He went through so many trials and tribulations, and I believe that the reason that he excelled in trusting God is because if I'm reading the Bible correctly, he prayed three times a day for 75 years. Because prayer will strengthen trust. It will nurture nurture trust. I've decided to do the best that I can to pray three times a day. And I actually put reminders on my phone. I just want to say this. I didn't ask my kids to help me do it. I figured it out all on my own. I just put reminders. And I'm not, I'm not talking about praying a long time, but, but every morning at 7.37, I have a reminder to pray Matthew 7, 37 and 38. I thirst for you, God. Let the Spirit of the Lord flow out of me like rivers of living water. I may not pray it a long time, but every day, that's what I'm praying. Lord, let your spirit move in me. At 12.01, I have a reminder that comes up, and it teaches me to pray, Romans 12, 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, God, by the uh, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. I, I, I want to pray a prayer of total commitment. Lord, I belong to you today. I know I'm in this world, but I am yours. I, I, I want to live a life I don't want to be conformed to this world, but I want to be transformed. And then every evening at 514, I pray Matthew 5, 14 and 16. Lord, let my life be a light to the world that is around me. I want to be full of the Spirit. I want to be completely committed. And I want to be a light to people around me. It's just praying with purpose. It's creating what I need for my life. I, I challenge all of you men just to get your phone out. And, and I'm not judging you if you have to have your kids help you set a reminder. But create your own reminders throughout the day just to pray. Worship team, will you come up? It's time to start over. This is what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5.17. Now we look inside and what we see is that anyone united with the Messiah gets a fresh start. How, how do I start over, Pastor? I, I've said a whole lot. But the short sermon is get united with Jesus Christ. Get united with the Master. Everyone that gets united with the Master gets a fresh start, is created new. The old life is gone. A new life emerges this is what God wants for us. Will you stand with me? Stand with me at all of the campuses. Prayer teams, please come to the front. All of the campuses. Be united with Christ. Now, if I am carrying all of this stuff with me, if I've got all of these things on me, Christ, come stand up right here. And I want to be united with Christ. Christ is Christ today. <laughs> then 
Anything that would separate me from getting to Him. Anything. You know what I need to do? I need to peel it off. I need to separate myself from that so that I can be united to Him. And, and we all have those things that want to separate us from God. But if you've caught nothing in this message, catch this. The power of the prayer of repentance. And how awesome our God is to over and over again when we repent, forgive. Remember the scripture, He's gracious in His mercy. Well, Jim, let's look at the record here. This is the fifth time that you've repented of that. I'm sorry, son. Come back next week. We'll try and pick it up there. It's not what God does. He's gracious. As a matter of fact, He doesn't even have the record because He has forgotten all of the times that I've come before. That's, that's His choice. <laughs> that's His graciousness. That when I repent, He forgives. The power of repentance. I, I want to pray a prayer of repentance. And if you're here today, if you're in any of our campuses and you've wrestled with something that has grabbed a hold of you, tried to keep you from living the way that God wants you to live, if you need to start over, just listen to this prayer that I pray of repentance and, and put it in your own words. Repent and know that the Lord is able and wants to forgive you. Lord, we thank you so much for your incredible undeserved mercy. Lord, your grace is something that we could never buy and yet you so freely give it. You're so rich in your mercy and your compassion towards us. And I would just ask you, dear Lord, to search our hearts. Hallelujah. Spirit of the living God, move through our congregations right now and Search our hearts and find those things that we have held on to and those things that have caused us to live in failure and live in depression and has worked death in us. And God, draw us to that place of repentance today. I stand here today repenting of my sins. I stand here today repenting of my shortcomings. I stand here today repenting of the times that I have walked away from you or gone the wrong path or done the wrong things or said the wrong thing. I, I just ask you, dear Lord, right now, hear this cry of repentance and forgive me. Forgive me, O oh Lord. Put godly sorrow in my heart. Let there be a change in my attitude and in my actions. And let me follow you all of the days of my life. Let me say a prayer and mean it with all of my heart. A prayer that says, King Jesus, be the Lord of my life. King Jesus, rule and reign. And let my life and my heart be submitted to you. In all things, O oh Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen.